Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. In by Kulisevsky. <laughs> Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Windy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Windy. And our tactics guy, and a man who is basking in the glow of having just rewatched Tottenham Hotspur 4, Southampton 1. It's Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. They upload full match replays at midnight, which is faster than my existing services do. Hooray. It's really good, right? That's, uh, that's a nice perk of Spurs play, for sure. Oh, is that what is that where you were watching it? Mm-hmm. And they have an inbuilt double speed. I'd like a triple speed and a six tuple speed, but I am happy. And also I can I can find ways to do that through additional software. But I do like that there is a half 1, 1. 1.5, 0.5. Hell yeah. Playback option. Hell yeah. Right. So now I'm going to have to subscribe to this. I'm going to have to grab hold of another teat of Tottenham Hotspur. Well, next year I want I want tactical cam for a renewed subscription. I watched my first Conte cam today. Okay. Uh, everyone's been going mad for Conte cam, and uh, and so I was being difficult and not watching it because it was annoying me that everyone was going wild about it. Uh, <laughs> and then I watched it and I really enjoyed it. <laughs> it was very entertaining and actually really interesting because you kind of get to see the instructions that he's given to players. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, so definitely, definitely oh. worth watching. Um, I've been not. I've also been in a similar boat of of being against it as a concept, <laughs> mainly because obviously we had Mourinho cam first, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But if there's interesting instructions going on, there maybe maybe is for me after all. There's positional like to, stuff. Um, I like to see what goals he celebrates and which goals he doesn't react to. And it's um, it's like he he will celebrate occasionally to an equaliser, but he won't celebrate a goal that puts like us one up. But he'll go crazy for a goal that puts us two up, unless it's an own goal. And uh, yeah, it's just 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 a good man. I really so like Conte. That, that's a very astute point that Bardi just made. So in in the the third goal, so the goal that was an own goal by Salisu, uh Conte gets annoyed during the attack that mm. the ball hasn't been passed at the right time. 
uh, and he's like he doesn't celebrate the goal because he's annoyed and then obviously there's like the question of whether Emerson Royale was offside as well so perhaps he's not celebrating for that reason but he was cross that the ball didn't get released at the the time he thought it should have been released do you know exactly which part in the play when it should have been released it was the it was the ball that went wide that was a little bit behind um I guess it was behind Sun. Yes, was it from Kane? Possibly. No, was no, it Shoyberg? Yeah, it was Shoyberg. Of course, it was. It was Shoyberg. <laughs> yeah. So let's um let's just get stuck into it. Um, absolutely fantastic opening day. My first appearance at Spurs since two thousand and nineteen. It wow. felt felt very special to be back there. Um, surrounded by by the ex subs and Bardi, it was, yeah, it was my friends from the Fighting Cock. It was a wonderful, wonderful day. Um, in terms of the match, when the team was named, I would say by that point, no real surprises because we'd kind of heard that Davis would would possibly make it. Um, when we discussed this last week, Davis was the one that we assumed wouldn't play. We didn't think he was going to be fit enough. Um, you both thought that that Doherty and Perisic might start. Uh, but then as the week went on, it became clearer and clearer and clearer yeah. that actually, you know, the, the way they're training, it did seem like Sessegnon and Emerson Royale would would play. Um, I've got to say, both of them played really well, so very pleased for, for them. Um, but yeah, no no real sur- surprises, Bardi, with the team selection. No, I was pretty happy with it. There's always a part of you that wants to see the new guys immediately, but it was a sensible decision to carry on from where we finished the season. And it was, it was proved right. I have to say that I, I have to admit I was a little bit concerned about the game going in. I I had mentioned in Discord that I just all of a sudden got the fear, especially because I said, oh, I said Arsenal would destroy Palace and then we might mess it up against Southampton. And then Arsenal did destroy Palace. And then we started a little bit slow and went 1-0 down and I just hung my head and was just like, oh my God, not this. But I should have had more faith. I think it, I think it was nothing to do with Tottenham or Conte or anything else like that. I think it was an inner demon within me that, that got a little bit scared about the pressure and just the amount of people talking us up. I just thought this is, this is something bad that happened. But I should have trusted the players and trusted the tactics and I'm happy. I'm very happy that we, we smashed them in the end. I mean, it, it was pretty easy all in all. Mm. I listened to your uh, fantasy football podcast um, and then I went and did a fantasy football draft with my mates and I drafted Longley before Dyer, when Dyer and Romero were still available. Why Why did I do that, Wendy? What was I thinking? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's... um. What you should have done is listen to me saying on last week's <laughs> podcast that Dyer would become a goal-scoring centre-back. I know, I know. You absolutely called that and then instantly, what a finish. Yeah, what a finish. delicate as you like. Very controlled, very composed. Let's let's um let's talk a little bit about the goals. I, I, it's so there's so much fun to be had from this game. I think we can talk about this for quite a long time. Um, first of all, we went one 0 down. Obviously, you know, people around me were a little bit kind of like, oh god, oh god, you know what's happening. I had absolutely no doubt, and that might have been the four pints of beer that I'd had before the game. But I had no doubt at all that we would come back and be absolutely fine in this. We the the goal that they scored pretty much came from nothing. They managed to sustain a bit of pressure for a couple of minutes and, you know, a ball came into the box. It found its way out wide. Emerson Round nearly stopped the cross, but not quite. And it just sat up nicely for Ward-Prowse, right? But that wasn't, it didn't come from anything special or any kind of weakness they'd, they'd spotted in, in Spurs and nothing they'd exploit, exploited beforehand. So there were no concerns from me on that side of things. Nathan? I was having a really hard time getting my illegal stream going. Um, they love to crack down on the first day Ugh. of the new season, don't they? Um, 
So I sort of miss a lot of the opening 10 minutes or so. So I was much more pessimistic because I hadn't seen. Ah. Now I've gone back and watched it and I thought we were actually perfectly fine during mm. that, that period of the game. But I was worried because it had been jumpy and, and I'd seen a lot of Southampton. I'd probably seen every moment of Southampton on the ball and missed most of Spurs on the ball. Um, and so I was, a little, I was a little more worried. I do think there's something to to that goal. Not to say that Southampton had much presence in that game overall at all, no. but... Um, we have seen them previously double up out wide, push us back, and then cut That's back. That's true. Walker um, Peters is very good at doing that as well. Yeah, he's stretching the play and then just cutting back for someone else to cross. I thought I thought Walker Peters had a terrible game. By yeah, the way. he didn't play well. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that making our midfield fall into our back line on our own touch line, and then uh, you know Hoybier was like the only person alive at all when he wasn't able to, mm-hmm. to stop the shot so but other than that yeah i mean i spoke i spoken in, in on the preview section of the last pod that like not hugely worried about southampton but you never know about fitness going into the first match of the season um but i thought we looked much much sharper than southampton southampton have caused us problems under conte so far because they're, they're a really good pressing sides and really good pressing sides will cause um, Conte team's issues and they've lined up with the front three repeatedly uh, and set up really smartly, really well. And then a couple of days before, Hassan Hootel comes out, he says, oh, the five subs thing's really useful because you can press in the first half with two forwards, take yeah. sub them off and press again in the second half and they barely pressed at all. And when we did, we played round them and then they, they gave up. I feel like um, they, they were pretty easily pushed back in the first half mm-hmm. in the second half or the start of the second half we let them have the ball for a while and obliterate them on the on the transition and once it was 4-1 they then wanted to hunker in again and you know prevent getting nine past them so i don't know yeah they they gave us very little issue with their their pressing i suspect that they were probably not at the level of fitness that they wanted to be yeah um, and talking about team selections i was actually quite shocked by southampton's team selection to be quite honest i um I, I mean, I, I haven't been following their transfer business that closely. Um, so when they lined up with an 18-year-old um, in the middle of their midfield as their sort of holding midfielder, I, I was surprised. Uh, I thought he was the best player. Really, like, really, really impressed with um, with Lavia. Um, I thought he looked great. I thought he looked. I thought he looked really good. Um, but the rest of Southampton's team, Aribo had a pretty good game. Um, surprised they were playing him as a second striker. But Armstrong was awful. Really, like, just didn't look up to the level at all. Um, and like you say, Walker Peters had a poor game as well. I didn't see much to Southampton, to be honest with you. I, I didn't see much to Palace either. I think. I think this division this year there might be an even bigger divide between like the top ten and then kind of everybody else. I maybe, thought the maybe. I thought the Southampton goalkeeper looked all right. I kind of liked his positivity and he made a couple of good saves and he he cut he played quite high. He made some good interceptions. I kind of liked the cut of his jib, but um, yeah, there's not his, much there. His, his distribution was a problem though, wasn't it? Yeah, but then he's he's, he's passing to idiots. So um, <laughs> yeah, I, I I just don't think Southampton are very good, and I have no idea what Hassan Hootel was wearing either. He looked he looked like a the waistcoat. Yeah, he looked like a well, nice. it was just a waistcoat with the shirt and the and the shoes. He looked like a B Tech um, <laughs> Tony Adams when he was out in Spain coaching. It was just it's never a good look. Just 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 better and be better. Yeah. <laughs> The other surprising selection from Southampton was Gineppo playing as a left wing back and Emerson Royale absolutely took the piss out of him on several occasions. <laughs> I mean, I'm, 
I, I, I almost can't believe what I'm saying, but Emerson Real beat him with ease at least mm. two times um, and then delivered a cross. Like that was, it was great to see him have, have some fun, you know? Um, so many times we've, we've bemoaned the fact that he can't beat a man or we thought he was a bit safe in attack. And actually he was having a great time out there against Gineppo. I, I still, where I was sat, there was still a lot of um, criticism about him and I can see that because he does let things get away from him. And I thought he was miles better in the second half. I thought he had his moments in the first half where he wasn't quite up to it. But yeah, he had a great second half and was vital in, in us um, scoring so many goals. Mm-hmm. So the the Spurs goals, um, Sessignon ghosting at the back post. Obviously, um, post-game, he's come out and said that Perisic said to him, look, Walker Peters is a small guy. Get in at the back post and you'll beat him in the air. Kulisevsky with a, a fantastic ball in and uh, and Sessignon got up really well and just planted the head at home, which was a lovely moment for him. His first league goal for Spurs. Um, and, and he had a good, a really good performance, I thought, Sessignon. Um, second goal, we've already mentioned Dyer's sort of clever header from a really nice ball from Son. Um, that came from a, a set piece and all three centre-backs stayed forward and ended up as the mm-hmm. most advanced players from that move, which was which was quite entertaining. Yeah, am I, am I counting that as a set piece goal? Is that is that going down? No, it's within no. it's within fifteen seconds, but it doesn't look it doesn't look like it's been prepared in that manner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a hell of a finish, a really really impressive finish. Dan on his knees faster than Ricky TFC's mum. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. I I can't wait to get the reaction to that in the in the fighting cock WhatsApp group. That's going to be that Ricky's going to be shocked. Uh, Third goal, Emerson Royal wins the ball and then just basically carries on running uh, and ends up ends up at left wing. Um, and and I don't think he kind of meant for it to happen in the way it did. To be honest, if Southampton were defending properly, he would have been caught offside. But you know, kudos to him for driving forward um, with his with his off the ball running. It was and- um, it was a good run. I, I think at one point I kind of hopefully shouted, "Do a son!" Like I, I really <laughs> wanted him just all the way. Through. Yeah, do a Puskas. But um, his finish was terrible and the defending was terrible. Uh, but yeah, he, he did show some great enthusiasm to yep. get up there. It wasn't a finish, it was a cross. <laughs> was it yeah, a cross? I think it was I a cross. I think it was a cross to no one, to no yeah. one at all. Well, That's why I thought Salisu. it was a shot. Yeah, and Salisu, <laughs> Salisu, who I really like, by the way, I think Salisu was a good player, but he just went with his wrong foot. What was he, yeah. what was he doing? Body shape was a mess, wasn't it? Yeah, but I do think he is a player that Spurs should keep an eye on for the coming year. You know, aggressive left-sided centre-back. That's with Premier League experience. That's that's something we should be keeping tabs on. I would think. I, d- I do get asked about him by a few Spurs fans if he's oh, the right kind of profile. Um, I haven't really had a, a a deep look, but obviously based on those questions and your your keenness, there's something there. Mm. And then Kulusevski, just magnificent. Yeah. This- Calmness personified with with his goal. Um, I put a call out for questions on the Twitter, and half of them were about Decky. People <laughs> people were just so excited about him for for good reason. So we'll we'll tackle some of those in a moment. But uh, first, Billy T says, "How much should a pint of beer be in the ground, Bardi? Why would he ask you that?" I mean, I I couldn't believe it. Six pound thirty. Six pound twenty nine. Yeah. Six pound twenty nine. That's a £1.80 price rise in however long we've been there. It's gone... I mean, I understand Amstel... I've heard now Amstel is um, 5 19 a pint, but it's crap. 
I'm not drinking that shit. And then I've, I've heard a lot of people say, oh, but in America it's this price or here it's this price. I don't, I don't care. I'm very sorry for you that a beer costs $12 in America. I, I'm sorry. But this is, this is where I go every other week. And the whole point of this was, oh, we'll make this stadium. You can come in, you could drink the beer and we'll set it, we'll set the prices reasonable at least. Mm. Had they even gone to six pounds, I'd been all right. But if it's 630, 6.29, it's just, it's just too far. And, <laughs> It takes. I haven't. I don't buy into a lot of Spurs stuff. I know I buy my season ticket and I go to the stadium. I buy the beers, but I don't do anything else really to support the club. And I just feel like I, it just leaves a bitter taste in my mouth, man. The, the brewery's there. It's not like uh, there's no transport costs. There's no trans. They're not importing it from from Russia or Ukraine. It's just. It's literally through the glass. I'll carry the keg. And it's just annoyed me immensely, as you can tell. It's really pissed me off. And it's yeah. you, you're right to be pissed off. It is it is unnecessary. It's uh, it's profiteering. It's um, totally. Do you know what? Pete, Pete, there, were, there were a lot of so you obviously you 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 had a bit of a rant on Twitter, which is why Billy asked the question. Um, and there were a lot of people sort of saying, "Yeah, but it's London prices." And my response to all of those people is, um, "Let me find you a nice boot to lick." <laughs> it's it's very. Um... Like, because we would all go to a pub beforehand and afterwards, right? Before, with the old White Hart Lane, you wouldn't you wouldn't go to the game an hour early. You wouldn't stick around to the game yeah. an hour afterwards, right? Mm-hmm. You, you'd go to a pub. They built this new stadium, made reasonable prices on the drinks. Mm-hmm. We've all formed the habits of staying in the stadium right. after getting to the stadium earlier, making that a social place. And now we're in and we've made those habits and maybe those pubs have suffered as a result. Um, and we formed relationships and, and habits around meeting at the stadium. They jacked the prices back up. It it really uh, it's yeah. absolute greed. It's totally. un, it's unnecessary. You know, we, and, we 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 already have some of the highest ticket prices in the country. Yeah. The the one thing that they can do, and it was a nice thing to keep the prices at a reasonable level for fans. It was a it was a good gesture. And to be honest, they they even had food deals as well when they first opened the stadium. I, wasn't it like a, a pie and a pint for a fiver at one point? I think they still have that as well. The first hour or something. If you get there early, you can you can do it. Okay. But it's not just it's not just the stadium now. So number eight, the formerly Bell and Hare. I've heard it's now seven pounds fifty a pint in there, and um, there was some another pub which was seven pound fifty cash only. I mean, how many how many how many notes have you got to bring out with you if you if you buy a couple of rounds? <laughs> I think it's totally profiteering. They're getting us in. They've they've got us in. As, as Nathan said, they've got us into this habit of getting to the stadium early, soaking up the atmosphere, enjoying it, and then boom, there you go, six day. Other people say, oh, West Ham at seven fifty. I don't give a shit. I don't go to West Ham. I go to Tottenham. I care what Tottenham do, and this is just. I'm going to buy cans and sit on the street corner like we're back at Wembley again. Just uh, just as you kind of get, you find, you feel at home. So all of a sudden, the stadium now feels like home for the first time since we've been there. With the good mood, the manager, Champions League, all these kind of things down the pipeline. You think it's going to be a great winter into the spring. It's going to be fantastic being at the stadium. And then you're going to go there and you're going, you're going to be spending a lot of money on just just even a couple of pints. It's, all of a sudden, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's really unfair. And I must say... Um... I, I cannot complain this this time because literally every time I turned around, someone was like coming back from the bar with a fistful of pints and sort of just handing them around to whoever needed one, um, uh, uh, which was lovely. Our ex subs are, are the nicest, kindest people. There, everyone was everyone looks out for each other and just buys drink. It, this it's so sweet. Um, uh, thank you to everyone who 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 turned up and was great fun before the game. Um, but yeah, you, you're right. But you're right to have a main body. Um, I, I wasn't expecting you to spend as long as we did on that, but it's it's good. It's good to get it off your chest, right? Um, 
Justin in London said, did you see any open play tactical developments since last season? And S Hart said similarly, what is specifically different tactics wise to last season? And I had a couple of observations, but is one game in, so it's it's really hard to sort of make um, definitive definitive statements about difference. But I did think the defensive line was slightly higher than we saw definitely, at times last definitely. year, and I also thought our counter pressing was both more intense and more organised. So it was very noticeable to me that, um, we, and we weren't pressing all the time. It was very situational, and I haven't quite worked out exactly what the situations are. I think it's when the ball is played to the the wide. So Southampton played a back three. I think it was when the ball was out with a wide centre back. I think we we pressed. Um, so like Sessignon and Emerson Royale were very, very active in that press, very active as, as well as the front three. And then Huibier and Bentenko were both really excellent at backing up the press. Really excellent. We really yep. put the squeeze on Southampton. Um, Kulisevsky also is a fabulous presser as much as he's incredible in the ball. And we'll, we'll come on to that. He is a fantastic presser. Uh, he came out with 20 pressures in that game, which was the highest in the team. And it's not just the, the number, it's the way he presses. He, he's um, incredibly m- a muscular guy he's, and he really does literally put the press on, on, on players and makes it awkward for them. Even if they're going to get their pass away, they're going to get it away with difficulty because he's he's so physical and um, and and reads the game so well. Um, so that they're the only developments that I would say I noticed. Nathan, did you have anything that you spotted? No, that that's that's pretty much it. I think, and we we knew that the pressing was coming based on preseason. We sort of certainly had a, a strong impression. Um, I think that's probably mainly enabled by Conte having a full preseason and also um, having five subs going into this season. Because I I remember when we signed Conte, I did a video looking at like. Um, trying to to summarize Conte's style and you sort of can't right because whether he has a lot of the ball or has very little of the ball is completely adaptive to the game whether he presses high or sits really deep is 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 one game to the other the the things that remain the same are the methods rather than the overall approach right um and so then in his first season we played a lot of low block and counter mm. um and and I I made the point before like Conte is probably the only manager in the world that I will take that from because mm-hmm. he's so good at getting out from that low mm-hmm. block um, that I think he's the exception there. But I'm still very happy to, for us to 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 mix it up a little bit. Um, and then again, you saw like again, I think the beginning of the second half when we sat deeper, let Southampton come onto us. We're just like, man, once you're a goal down to Conte's Tottenham, Go home, give up. It's it's done. You're you're done. There's nothing there for you. You're we're we're always just going to be so deadly um, from from having power over the the game state. I think. Um, but yeah, sorry, pressing high. I think um, maybe maybe we'll see more um, back post runs from wing banks. But I think that things were largely as they were before with the same players as well. I, I was going to say I spotted it's, it's amazing what you can do when you're not drinking 10 pints at the football. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, on the right-hand side, it's very much that Emerson will just go deep and then there's a cutback to uh, Kulisevsky to either mm. come inside and shoot or mm-hmm. cross it in. And we saw that for 
Kuliseski's goal, Sessignon's goal, and there's another one on Conte cam as well where Conte is a bit upset that no one was uh, attacking at the back post. So there's that. But then on the left, it seems to be a very different system of, of attacking, whereas um, Sun would immediately cut inside and Sessignon will go wide, 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 and then Davies will kind of support or a midfielder will drop in. So it seems to be two different tactics for the left wing and the right wing, yeah. according, on per- according to personnel. I think that is primarily the personnel, isn't it? Because you want Son to be making those out-to-win runs. So he ends, yep. Son very frequently ends up as our most um, advanced central player. Uh, and, and that does open up space for Sessignon. And I have to say, I thought he exploited that really well in this game. He looked, he he looked so much more confident. The way he took that uh, disallowed goal at the start of the second half, just you could see the confidence just running through him, just opened up his body and placed it in the far corner with his right. Uh, and I can't imagine... Sessignon of sort of mid last season would have been mentally right to do that, which is a great sign. So let's talk about Decky. This is what everyone wants us to do, according to the questions. So we had questions from Skip Jack, from Dom, from Defoe's Stereo, from Jonathan Wheatley, Fergus McKee, Football Confidential, and Yidden Agenda. Um, let's go through a few of them. So Skip Jack's one, I, I really like this. Who is the last player for Spurs to exceed expectations as wildly as Kulusevski? Players bought as kids don't count. So Bardi, you liked Kulusevski when we bought him, but presumably he's even better than you expected. Yeah, I I really liked him, but I was very positive when we when we signed him. I expected him to be faster. I don't know why, but I just expected him to be faster. But it doesn't matter that he's not electric fast. It's just it, it's not something that you can. It's not a black mark against his name because all his other skills are just so good that he doesn't need to be fast to keep the ball because he's so bloody strong and so bloody skillful. That it's almost it's, it's unnecessary for God to give him another skill like that. It's just <laughs> it would be unfair to other people. Um, but yeah, he has he he has. I expected big things, but I didn't expect this kind of level of of football. It's it was one of the best performances I've seen from an individual outside of Kane and Son for Spurs for a long, long time. He was he was that good. Nathan, what is it that makes him so good and so difficult to play against? Specifically in this system, I think that it is the the way he complements the other two players. I'm, I'm very reluctant to say anything that feels like I'm taken away from him because um, I think he's exceptionally good, right? Look at the setups he's been in the past uh, and, and the role that he's played for them. You can see sort of <laughs> how you can get less out of him. But in this setup where he's accompanied with the sort of target man passer and the, the runner scorer, him being the the carrier passer, right? Is is so, again we keep saying how well they're all suited to each other. He's so good because his decision making is just immaculate, uh. just consistently immaculate. Um, his ability, like you don't have to be um, that fast to beat a player on the dribble. If you use mm. guile, if you use disguise, if you use timing, mm. if you use threats, um, man, I'm annoyed at myself because like. I'm not surprised by how well he's done, but I really undersold and undercelerated it when we signed him because I was annoyed because I thought, hey, we've got big problems at, at, at right back and um, whatever else it was, I thought it was at the time that we needed. Um, yeah, I mean, he's he has exceeded um, expectations a bit. I'm, I'm not shocked, but yeah, I mean, he just, he doesn't... What's the phrasing I'm looking for here? He He doesn't like stand out in a negative way in a front three of Kane and Son yeah. and that you know what what else more can you say about any player as, to like as a 22 not be, year old as a 22 to not clearly be third fiddle 
when playing with Kane and Son. There's um, a question here from Yidden Agenda, and I think it's something that we've, we need to touch on. So Carlo Garganese is, is a guy on the Italian football podcast with Nima. <laughs> here we go. He's, he's really good friends with Nima, and he, he, he does a podcast, and he's, you know, he's, he has his opinions. But he celebrated, he's a Juventus fan, he celebrated Tottenham signing uh, Kuliseski because he was just like, I can't believe they've paid this money for this guy. And Bentancur as well. And Bentancur. So he, these were two guys who were underperforming at Juventus. And in a market where it's really impossible to sell players, they all of a sudden got some big money for these guys and they were very happy about it. And unfortunately, maybe it's the Italian in him. He, he doubled down on this take after Spurs fans started going after him, which is never, never a good thing. But he was happy that they sold him because I think it made sense for Juventus to sell him because it, it wasn't working for him. But yeah... I don't know where I'm going with this, but I mean, it worked out for both teams. Juventus wanted the money and wanted him out. And we got a great player for an incredible price. So I think it, I think it worked for both of us. And I think it's probably one of the smartest bits of business up there with maybe um, Modric. Modric kind of deal back in the day. He's, he's worth, what, seven months later, he's worth four or five times what we paid for him. Yeah, I think so, but I think at the moment it's almost like house prices where players are so expensive, but if the houses and the players are so expensive, no one can afford to buy them. So I, I do think at the moment there's a huge issue which we're seeing with with Tottenham is that we've got players worth 30, 40 million pounds that we can't sell because that money doesn't exist anywhere. But um, I don't, I, anyway, why am I going negative? It's incredible. He's an incredible signing and I'm, it, it's a madness that other teams around the Premier League allowed this to happen. Arsenal could have gone for this guy ages ago and they didn't. He wouldn't look out of place at Man City. He wouldn't look out of place anywhere in the Premier League, to be honest. Well, this is it. We're, we're, we're blessed at the moment to have, playing in the Premier League, some seriously good attacking midfielders who are left-footed but play, play on the right. So, you know, obviously Salah. But then you've got um, Phil Foden and Riyad Mahrez and Bukayi Saka and Hakim Ziyech. Um, Michael Elise, who I think is really good, and, and yeah. I think I think Dejan Kulusevski, other than Salah, is as good, if not better, than all of them. I think he oh, is he's better than Foden for sure. It, and and I don't think people have woken up to that yet. He is ridiculously talented, and the exciting thing is, I think he's going to get better. I think there's more to come. I think this team can evolve again and and become even better. There's more, you know, better wing backs, more chance creation. It's so exciting. The prospect is so exciting. And to go back to um, Skip Jack's question, the, the last player for Spurs to exceed expectations as wildly after signing, the only two that I can I can offer are Luka Modric and Moussa Dembele. And, and I think, you know, they're two of our best players in recent memory. And I think that, that says all you need to know about uh, how good Kulusevski is. I'd throw um, Lorente in there as well as a as a punt on a 38-year-old tall guy. He, he, he worked out pretty good. For the next few weeks, we are partnered with Athletic Greens. Um, and I'm going to go over to my Athletic Greens correspondent, who's also <laughs> my psychic and best friend for this. Hello, Wendy. Yeah, so um, I started taking AG1 because, as I've said a few times now, I wanted to improve my general health and, and everything else associated with that. And now I'm a, another week into my into my journey. And there's, there's two things which, which um, have occurred to me. So as I walk the dog, I think about what am I going to say about AG1. And it's the two things are portability and doubling down. So um, 
Portability is um, you can get AG1 in little sachets. So when I go into the office, I take my AG1 with me. Um, I might not do all the modifications that I do at home, ice, lemon, um, cider vin- apple cider vinegar and everything else like that. But I throw the sachet into my running backpack on my rucksack. And when I get to the office, I sit in front of everyone and mix up my green powder before, before I break my fast. But the other thing is um, doubling down. And I learned this on Saturday. So obviously, when you go to the football, it's pretty much yellow food and yellow beverages all around you. I mean, you're not going to stand in Beaver Town eating a salad because if a pint's already 6.29, God knows how much a salad is. So you're not going to get your greens at Tottenham. And also, it's just not proper coys. So on Saturday, going before I went to the game, I doubled down with my AG1. So I took it in the morning after my run. And then before I left the house, I had another one thinking, I'm not going to eat a lot of greens today. So I need to get my vitamins and everything else in there. So yeah, like my takes with Tottenham, I, I doubled down on AG1 on, on certain days. Nice. And we are um, very selective with the partners we choose and um, Athletic Greens are a a company that uh, I think do things the right way. So in 2020, they purchased carbon credits that support projects protecting old growth rainforests and they donated over 1.2 million meals to children. Um, So this is an ethically sound company, which... um, it is great to hear. So to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash extra inch. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash extra inch to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So what have we had on Patreon this week? We have had Nathan's Nathan's set piece video. Well, that's on YouTube, that one. Mm. Uh, I put that out for the masses. So um, previously, you'll remember I did um, a video. We were just talking about Sessegnon playing on the right, a video on switching to inverted wingbacks against Middlesbrough, where I use screenshots and literally, literally Microsoft PowerPoint presentation <laughs> to, to circumnavigate... Um, laws and youtube rules about um footage rights and this time i just used a paused video and uh sort of scrolling through um and and it got through youtube's <laughs> filter so um yeah managed to do some set piece analysis uh, episode one we looked at pre-season um Saw, saw some interesting trends. I finally got to explain my position on Kane's direct free kicks. 
Um, I'd really appreciate anyone listening to um, share these, share that video, share the links to that video um, in places we don't usually reach to. So other social media sites that we're not very present on, um, group chats, forums, things like that. It'd be really good if you can get that out there for us. Um, any, any, wait, let me ask you more specifically, how do you feel about my take on Kane's free kicks now you've seen that? Uh, I haven't seen that part yet. I'm only, oh, I'm only halfway. I'm only halfway oh, through your video. Oh, okay, okay. I did think about maybe whether I should front load the the, the spicy takes. Um, <laughs> interesting. I'm I'm interested to see where. So I've I've yeah I've I've, I've um, the bit I'm up to is talking about the corners essentially, and and in fact that was one of the things I was going to touch on from the Southampton game. Um, so you spoke about the fact that we have this the man who comes short and then yeah. makes a a decoy run um towards the touchline and then back away from the touchline. Yeah. And the way we used that on Saturday was a really nice routine whereby the decoy run then became an active run because the ball was cut back and they made a run in behind and uh I think it was Bentancourt didn't quite get the pass through to Kulusevski, but the idea was there and I liked it very much and I suspect we'll be seeing a bit more of that. Every single time that player has completely lost his marker. Indeed, indeed. Like they've not even vaguely got close to following him every, and, every time. And, and maybe that's because they've seen us use it simply as a decoy run for so much of pre-season. You know, we haven't looked to find that man um, and then we did, you know, so you, you keep them guessing. Yeah. Sessignon did that run. but He I, did. He did. He didn't have the same conviction as Kulusevski. Kulusevski ran it like the ball was coming to him. Sessignon <laughs> kind of just went through the motions. I was a bit disappointed. Maybe, he had, maybe Kulu had had the signal that this time you're actually going to get it. Okay. Um, and, and then Bentancourt comes short towards the edge of the box, receives and looks to play it in behind. Um, but Southampton just read the pass. But I, I liked it a lot. I mean, I, I, do think we're, I do think we're a real significant set-piece threat this year. That, that's very exciting to me. Uh, and then Bardi, you um you spoke to a youth player. I spoke to Dominic Ball. He's a he's a lovely young man, and we had a lovely chat about his book um, from winning teams to broken dreams. About him and his friends trying to make it as pro footballers, and then we had a chat about the loan system. We had a chat about things that can take young young men in making their way through football can kind of knock them off the tracks and yeah we spoke about who his best mates are still and of course going on pre-season with Tottenham I was very curious about how how they're managed and how they're marshaled and he he was quite honest at the fact that he wouldn't know where they're going um you, they a player will just give over everything to the club and the club will just say just be here and then you just get whisked off somewhere and you have no idea which hotel, wow. which yeah, which mode of transport or anything else. So that is all done for you to kind of take it to ease your mind. Wow. You recommend his book? His book is great. If you've got a if you've got children who are trying to work their way through the academy system, it's really good and there's some valuable insight in there for sure. Nice, nice. And there will be another episode of Straight Off the Training Ground with, with my good friend Chris Marcel and I um, coming this week. Great to see Chris at the game on Saturday as well. He uh, he, he he managed to get a last minute ticket also, so um, wasn't expecting to be able to go. And yeah, it was it was great. It was great to see him. Simon Shield says, are we too slow to get on top of teams, especially at home where we seem to be a bit tentative for the first 20 odd minutes? And this was a this was a theme we saw last season, and I, I guess you could argue that the, the same thing continued in this game. Do you think we, we're slow starters, Bardi? 
There is something to that. I mean, even the North London derby, I thought Arsenal started pretty well and pushed us back a little bit. Um, but we we came through and we've won these games. Perhaps perhaps we should go after teams a bit more. But I don't know if there's I don't know if it's something that is. Yeah, I don't know how you'd correct that or what would happen. Spurs sometimes, but then. I don't, I don't know at this. I'm not sure how we can remedy this or fix it, but I don't think it's a huge problem. I think perhaps it ties into the type of football that we're playing, that we're kind of encouraging teams onto us and then mm. exploding at them, um, hitting them with our ridiculous transitions and, and counter-attacking. Uh, so maybe it's that. Maybe it's just oh, yeah. trying, trying to hand them the emphasis, encourage them forward, give them, a, give them, give them something to um, latch onto early on and then hit them where it hurts. Perhaps it's let's just see what they're doing and how they're set up before before we start making our moves, maybe. Nathan Chapman, CMC1882, says, who wins in a fight between Eric Dyer and Christian Romero? And uh, fictional Ben said, did Eric Dyer even feel that punch from Romero? Are we now the toughest team in the league? <laughs> did you see this? The, uh, the celebration for Dyer's goal, Romero comes in and starts battering him. Dyer definitely has some size on Romero, but you can see in that clip that Romero opens up to the body before then going to the now vulnerable head. And I just think... There are there are some high level UFC fighters who don't don't uh, don't do enough body work who don't mix up their shots enough. So I'm um, I, th- I think Romero has a promising career in violence. Oh, he already has one. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think Romero has the viciousness, the the light footedness, the balance, um, if, uh, and the and the clearly the awareness of how to damage someone that he's gonna he's gonna um, overcome the size difference there. Eric Dyer is looking extremely good physically right now. Have you, have you seen him with his top off recently? No. Oh boy. <laughs> have you seen Have you seen the pictures of Sun? If we're, we're going to be doing <laughs> objectifying our footballers, section. I haven't. Oh, he Bloody did. Uh, he's done a He's done a promo shoot for. Um, is it Calvin Klein? Yeah. A modelling shoot. Goodness me. Uh, no, I'm doing this evening. <laughs> I had to. Um... I had to scroll back, you know, on the stories, you skipping on, I didn't skip this, I skipped forward, I was like, oh, what's this? And I had to go back and just hold it to have a little proper look at it. It's quite impressive. I've always been a bit concerned about Sun's physique, but um, yeah, he's got quite a body. Do you think he might have put on some muscle weight in the last couple of years? I think so. I've always thought he's had just a little bit of a belly or just Sun. not been, yeah, just not quite as um, trim or as lean as the others, but um yeah, not now. Uh, yeah, is that because he wears his shirt a bit baggy or something? Maybe, maybe it's not. It's nothing. I've never looked at Son and gone, "My God, he looks unfit." But I've always just thought he's looked a little bit kind of wobblier than other Tottenham players. So, Trash Can Troll and Harry S have both asked what we think the uh, the team selection will be against Chelsea next weekend. So, Harry says it would feel harsh to drop Sessegnon, who looks excellent. I can see the value in starting Perisic, but Conte has often spoken of a meritocracy and earning your spot. I think Sess did that at the weekend, personally. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I tend to agree with Harry. I think I think after that performance, you kind of have to go with the same eleven, don't you? Yeah, I think so. And it means, again, really strong bench and add Richarlison to that also, who was suspended for the opening game. Um, I guess the thing with that is um, because of the five subs, um, because you get three plus a half time, if things are wrong, if you're like, okay, I you know, I stand by my decision to start Cesson Young Davies Royale. Um, however, Chelsea are given us significant problems in this area. You can make that change at half time. So I think it's easier to to carry on with last match in in those circumstances. We did a quadruple sub, didn't we? On, we on did. Saturday. The Premier League's first ever, I believe. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, we did indeed. It was going to be three, and then it took so long for the ball to go out that that Dotty joined them, and it became four. I I, I think we should, I would like to touch a little bit on Perisic because I think it's a, a good question whether or not he starts against Chelsea. I don't think he should because Sessegnon was great, but I did like uh, Perisic's positivity, insight, like both-footedness. Left, go on his right, go on his left. He's really going to offer us something different to Sessegnon and um, I think it's I think this could be a really good signing. Mm. We got a bunch of questions about right wing back, um, and it, it almost seems it almost seems sort of a bit mean-spirited to be asking them when Emerson Royale has had one of his stronger performances, uh, certainly from an attacking perspective. But let's let's delve into uh, some of them. In fact, Adam McCulloch backs it up. He says, the rapid improvement in Emerson Royale makes him hard to leave out. Please discuss. Um, Kronzcast said, is there a reason Perisic can't play as a right-wing back? Uh, Mepfish says, if Spence is third-choice right-wing back, shouldn't we loan him out? If so, do you think another Premier League team would have him play him? I mean, I would say... That there's enough games that that we're going to need to play all of our, our all of our wing backs at some point. But um, what do we think? Do, do, does Emerson have the spot for the time being? Mm, I, I think, think so. it's a short time being, to be honest. Not not to say that he didn't play well or, or whatever. I just think all of the other options provide an upgrade of some kind, basically. And so I'm happy with him starting against Chelsea. I just also think we might see you know a halftime sub. Um, Comparison to play on the right. Well. Um, he's played a lot of minutes left wing and right wing before converting to wing back under Conte. Um, I think he's only played on the left side as a wing back, but what are the differences? I think we might. Did we talk about this before? That like you you might sort of rely on defensive habits in mm. in some side, and maybe that adapt. I I thought we might see it in preseason. I suddenly realised preseason coming on, we hadn't seen it at all, and that was curious. Um, you would imagine he can play on the right-hand side. We've seen Sessegnon play on the right-hand side. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess uh, there there's a lot of interchangeability with our, with our wing backs. In terms of Spence, um, I'm not I'm not worried about that at all. I think he will he will get his place um, this season if it takes a couple of months or whatever. Um, yeah, that is that is there for him. I feel the same. And, and one thing I would say is um, my impression is that. Conte rates Dotti as, as first choice right now. Um, yeah, I think so. Uh, but again, that's not to take anything away from Emerson Real's performance. I thought he did a really good job, but I agree with you, Nathan, that um, it's a temporary a temporary fix. Um, his, his performance, though, probably does mean that Lucas is further away from playing any right wing back minutes, right? For sure. I think that's dead. I think that project is over. Yeah. So thank you also to William Naylor and Charlie Bower who asked questions about right wing back. And we'll do a couple more before we sign off. Um, so this is from 817 Spurs. Is Bentancur overrated, underrated, or rated just right? Um, I, I was really impressed with our central midfield, to be honest, against, especially when I watched it back. You know, at, the, at the time, I had a sort of... There were a few erratic moments from both of the players. They they both made a few loose passes. But when I watched back, the, the backing up of the pressing was so good from both of them. Like a well-oiled machine. Yeah, uh, really impressive. Um in his counter-pressing efforts, Bentancur, I, I also thought his speed of play was really useful in this game. His uh, his quick one-touch play was really useful for us. And yeah, so that's something I picked up on in the, the thread I did on Twitter. So, uh, Huibier is definitely the more expansive passer, and that's borne out in the data. So, he's, ma- he's, he's, he's making more progressive yards with his passing. But I think Bentancur's strength is the fact that it's all one and two touch. He doesn't need to... He doesn't need multiple touches to get it under control or get it out of his feet. 
everything happens in in a minimalistic way and that then allows you to move progressively as a team more quickly and it change the way he plays changes the angle of attack very very nicely um, I will I will say Huey Bear played a delightful pass over the top for Son uh, Son's first touch was a little loose but he still got a shot away with his left foot um, that was a really nice ball from Huey Bear and he did also set Son away on another occasion too so I was quite impressed with his creative passing to be honest but um, where Bentancor is, is less expansive and more reserved uh, his strengths are that he he quickly changes the angle of attack for us which is equally useful <coughs> He's also very calm in um, defensive situations on the edge yeah. of his box. I do think he, he takes time to build into a game, which I think goes against him sometimes if people are just kind of looking at how he's playing. But I thought him and Fjordberg both played well. Um, I was curious. I did ask you at the stadium, Wendy, has your opinion of Fjordberg changed now you've seen him in the flesh? I love him even more. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just thought maybe once you saw him in the flesh that the, the things that annoy me about him might annoy you, but I guess not. No, I think... Um... You, you notice, to be honest, I just notice more how much he's organising, how much he's kind of keeping lines tight and distances right. And he, he, I mean, I do think we're going to press more this year, and I think Hjoibier will be a big part of that. And, and maybe Basuma, once he's learned the system, will, will come in and um, and help alleviate some of the the pressures of all the minutes. The, the toll that took on on Hjoibier in previous seasons was significant, so. So hopefully that'll help and Skippy coming back at some point. But I see Hjoibier as um, undroppable at the moment. I, I think he's really critical to the team in a very understated way, I would say. Um, I think we'll call it a day there. Cool. I just want to say um, hello, Clive. Um, I came out of retirement yesterday for, for football and I played against a, a goalkeeper who's a Spurs fan who listens to this pod. I just wanted to say hello to him, Clive. Well done on winning man of the match, even if I did score four goals against you. Uh, <laughs> congrats, congrats on that. You have been listening to The Extra Inch with me, Windy, my sidekick and best friend, Barney, and our tactics guy, Nate If you like this, there's plenty more at patreon.com forward slash The Extra Inch. Production is by Nathan A. Clark. Our logo, artwork and website are designed by Trayton Miller. Our music is by David Lindmer. You can find him on Instagram at David Lindmer. Do check him out. He's great. Great, great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us at podcast at theextrainch.co.uk. Subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. And most importantly, be sure to tell all of your Spurs friends. Shout out to the X-Sub, we love every single last one of you. And of course, come on you Spurs. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.